give from a place of faith. So, gentlemen, you can go ahead and pass those baskets along. And if you have any prayer requests, these can go in here right now. There may be some ladies as well. I don't want to help out. But we're, anybody can serve in these positions. So um, now that we've already done the giving part, I'm bringing a place of prayer and reminder to us as a group of believers that obviously we're plowing ahead with our building. We're still working to try to get a permit. So be in prayer for all that process. You know, I'm honestly, as soon as we get that piece of paper that says, yes, you can do what you want to do to that building, the building's like halfway done. I mean, just getting permission to do it. So we're close. The city's got the plans. We're having to make some changes with the engineer. So we're getting close to be able to do it. What we're doing Tuesday is making ready. We're tearing some stuff up. You don't have to have any skills at all to be able to help out on Tuesday. You just got to be able to not swing and hit a, a human, okay? If you can distinguish between a human and a wall, then you can come and help. If you might hit people, stay at home. And so, um, but if you cannot hit people, show up. And so we're going to tear down some stuff and make room for the construction guys when we finally get ready. And uh, so we appreciate your help. And if we got a, we only got about, we got about a three-hour window Tuesday, but if we got a lot of people, man, we can do a lot of damage in three hours. So it's exciting. <clears throat> but we're also still in the place we want to fully fund everything we want and need over there. And so we're in a, in a full-court press to raise another $100,000. Monies have already begun coming in towards that. And so our deadline we're looking for is December the 2nd. And uh, so be in prayer for us and be in prayer for the for the ministry and and us as a group of believers. And if there's something God puts on your heart, you can participate in that as well. But we mainly want to step into a place of a of a prayer of agreement and lean into what God is doing. Well, let's go ahead and get rolling with our notes, because we've been in a series uh, that honestly I've enjoyed. But. I think most of us have found, may have found it a little bit challenging because most of the time we kind of get in our ruts and they're the little nuisances of life that come at us all the time. The big troubles, the little troubles, and we honestly get used to that, okay, I'm going to get up today and my day's not going to go the way I want it to go. Most of us, we lived any length of time, we, we, we make a plan and sometimes it can get so discouraging that you just quit planning. You just quit making any plans at all. You just, you know what, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to do my best to be able to make it through the day and get back in my warm, cozy bed and catch some winks of sleep and do this process over again. And I'm not going to make any plans. I'm not going to do any of that because all that does is bring heartache and trouble and discouragement because it never goes the way I want it to go. And so many times we can get into that and trouble comes. It does. And as we begin to look at the fact that in Christ, there's a, there's a different place to live. There's a different flow to live in. But we first have to recognize there's some stuff that we don't have to just put up with. That there's some other answers to these different things. And so as we begin to look at this, my iPad's telling me stuff. Um, let's break open our notes because we've looked at this truth over and over again. That in Christ, we can live untroubled in a troubled world. We can. <clears throat> he spoke to us in John 16, 33. We've gnawed on this and looked at this and come back to this over and over again. 
Jesus did not gloss over the fact that the people who called on him, that he loves, that call him Lord, are going to have to deal with this stuff. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He wants us to have peace, but he's given us a heads up that trouble's coming. In this world you will have trouble, <clears throat> but <clears throat> take heart. He has overcome the world. We've kept coming back to this truth that how wonderful it is that God isn't sitting there at the, at the uh, halftime of our lives and giving us a pep talk saying, you can do it. You can overcome the world. I'm so grateful that Jesus is looking at his followers and telling us that you can take heart because he's overcome the world. That's where our trust is. That's where our hope is. That's where everything is, is getting into and walking with him in the victory that he has provided for us. But there's all these competing things. And, and in our minds, and when we begin to think about our calendars, this time of the year is my planning time. Every October, I hole up and I think about the next year. And I began to plan, lay out potential series and what we're going to talk about as a church. And I began to pray over that. We began to think over new things and, and new uh, potential new things we want to roll out as a team. We began to pray about all of the different events, knowing that church camp is on the horizon for our youth. Knowing that kids camp is on the horizon. Knowing that small groups and all of the different things we're called to do are there. October is my calendar time. And honestly, I want to tell you, it can be an intimidating time for me. Because you sit there with a blank year, and you go, okay, now what, God? Now what? It's been great. We don't just want to transpose everything and try to make the next year a replicant of this year. God, you got new stuff and new things going on. Not everything that we wanted to see take place in this year is taking place in this year. So all of those different mindsets, and sometimes you thinking about your calendar or your tomorrows, your, your days, can be really intimidating. And sometimes our minds can kind of get out of whack. And I got a little video that kind of helps us get into this mindset that sometimes can get away from us. How was work? Nothing unusual. Email was down again. And uh, Bill called me into his office again. What's wrong? Nothing really. He just thinks he can come down and fit in with these blue collar guys. You know, he's white collar. And he's in or you've done something wrong again. And you're getting in trouble. And you'll get demoted. Then you'll stop shaving. There goes my vacation. Maybe you'll even get fired. And then you'll do that lazy thing and I'll have to go back to work. And there goes the house. We had plans for this house. We'll be living out of our car or out on the street, and eventually we'll be forced to move in with your mother. How was your day, Kim? Well, Dana's having a party Friday night, and I thought I could go. But before you freak out, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, y'all guys knew each other. You're a great kid, but there's no stopping the peer pressure. It just takes one sip, and you're hooked. And then there's a smoke and the piercing and the tattoos. And the boys, even good boys don't have good intentions, never mind the bad boys. Well, and you'll go straight for one of the bad boys and he'll introduce you to all the bad things and you'll get pregnant and drop out of school and we'll never see you again. And we'll be stuck with your kid. What about you, Mom? I've been considering taking up string art. No. 
Les has been doing some really wonderful things with it. He can do anything with string. Did you know you can make this thing in magic? Everyone knows Dreamer is a gateway craft. You'll start knitting and making me hats and scarves and sweaters and making me wear those sweaters. And you'll stop dyeing your hair and get those grandma glasses and you'll want a cat, which will kill my allergies and probably lead to more cats. And you'll want to make things and bring it to my class and embarrass me in front of all of my friends. Now, don't act like you've never had one of those moments. <laughs> don't sit there and go, this is this crazy, over-the-top dramatization, because you know that it don't touch the ice, the tip of the iceberg on the stuff that goes through our minds sometimes. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, we get one little thing. Your doctor calls and says that he needs to speak to you. All of a sudden, you miss a call on your caller ID, and it happens to be your bank, and all of a sudden, it's that family member and that you see their text is what popped up on your phone. And all of a sudden, things can go crazy in our minds when they do not have to. And so today, we're going to talk about our untroubled days. That we can begin to understand that our life is lived one day at a time. His grace comes to us one day at a time. And the destiny that God's called you to is lived and enjoyed one day at a time. See, trusting God with all our days helps to untrouble our life. Let, let's look at Hebrews 13. It says, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. When we begin to deal with all of the different stuff in life, so many times we see things on the news and we make him begin to put some dots together and go, wow, our life is going this direction. Our life is coming in this line. It's coming this way. Our world is going in this direction and we begin to extrapolate how one thing leads to another leads to another. And we begin to get all anxious. We need to be <clears throat> just stop ourselves and say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Honestly, the bulk of our anxiety and frustration are all about just people. People we call big corporations. People we call government. People we call our neighbors. People we call our bosses. People we call all sorts of different things that our anxieties and our frustrations well up in. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders. Who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday. Today. And forever. We get this beautiful hope that we have. In the fact that he's the same yesterday. That what he was yesterday. He hasn't changed. The fact that he was loving. And giving. And generous. And, and healing and did all of the different things. We, who we see Jesus was 
is who Jesus is. Jesus is the same yesterday and today. That's why we can go to this book that people who aren't Christ followers would say is outdated. But if who he is hasn't changed, how is it outdated? It's still as relevant as it ever was. You know, there are certain things that become outdated. Your phone's stuff needs an update. We've not, we don't have updates to our Bible. We don't have to get new pages added in. Who Jesus is, is who he was and who he will continue to be. This is why we can begin to look and study the Gospels and how he interacted and what he spoke. And it has a, it has a meaning and makes a difference in our life today. Because Jesus was the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, if I was writing this, more than likely, I probably would have said, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because of the way we speak. All yesterday, and tomorrow, and we understand sometimes we can get the whole Annie thing, and tomorrow represents all of the hopes of the future. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow. We get all these hopes about these concepts of tomorrow. You go to Disneyland, and there's Tomorrowland. Which is all of the stuff about what the future might be. But I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews not to say yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But yesterday, today, and forever. You're like, what's the difference? I'm going to tell you, Joe's Crab Shack has taught us the difference. You ever been to Joe's Crab Shack? I like crab. They're good. I like to eat them. I like crab. Crab sandwiches, crab tacos. Okay, maybe not. I love crab. And when we go out of town, we go, I love to go to Joe's Crab Shack, and my wife sweetly tolerates it. And, um, but we love my boys enjoy, well, two of my boys enjoy seafood. One of them does not. He needs prayer. And, um, and so... Uh, but we love that. But you go up and Joe's Crab Shack on the side of it gets you all excited. Because it says, free crab tomorrow. Thanks a lot. You show up ready for that free crab the next day and guess what it says? Free crab tomorrow. What would it do to Joe's Crab Shack's budget? And what would it do to my waistline? If it was written the way Hebrews is written. And instead of saying tomorrow, it said free crab forever. What does that do to the meaning of it? Tomorrow and forever aren't interchangeable. Tomorrow and forever are not the same thing. See, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and not tomorrow. Not this elusive thing, this etherical thing out on the, the horizon of time, but on forever, which included going backwards and going forwards. And every day you're ever going to live, we're built as eternal beings, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we can trust Him forever. All the stuff we're ever going to need, we can trust Him forever. That's why we can step into this place of 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Why? Because it's not going to run out. It goes forever. We're not going to hit a date or a moment where it shifts. He's with us 
forever. James 4, 13, 15 says, Now listen, who, <clears throat> you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go and do this or that and spend a year, carry on business and make some money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? The big iffy tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Why is it so important for Christ followers to bring that concept into their forward-looking thoughts? Because all that does, that one little thing of if it's the Lord's will, that brings him into the plans. That doesn't mean this big thing where I just sit back, if it's the Lord's will. The scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. What this mindset does is we want to get on page with what his will is. It's not something we just stumble through life. Well, if it's the Lord's will, then this. And if it's the Lord's will, then that. And it's just going to happen. And we just kind of go with the flow. No, it's this thing that as, as, as Christ followers and new creations, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us who speaks and gives us guidance on all truth. So this one mindset shift says, let's get the heart of God in this. God's got a plan. God has something he wants to do. And if we understand that God's involved in it, that immediately begins to make tomorrow not near as scary. Not near as frightful. We begin to invite him in to our agendas and our plans. See, this is a forever focus whenever we say we bring the forever God into it. It's not a tomorrow focus. It's a forever focus. See, we create trouble today by misusing this whole concept of tomorrow in two different ways. What we do is we end up, we create tension. We create tension in our lives. And the first way tension is created is tension can be created by pulling. You get on the other end, you get a good old tug of war. Man, I remember the old, when I was a youth pastor, and the old uh, um, Discovery Camp days, and we take our youth out there, and we compete against the other teams in a good old-fashioned game of -of tug-of-war. And if you want to be exhausted in 27 and a half seconds, then you get on the other end of a two-inch rope and pull with all your guts. This isn't this workout that all of a sudden is, ooh, I'm going to be tired in a little bit. No, you pull with all your might. For seconds, and you're done. And then it's not over. The rope is still to have all this, and you've got both sides, and they're pulling, and it creates this ex- a massive amount of tension and this massive amount of exhaustion. And one of the first places we misuse tomorrow is by pulling tomorrow's trouble into today. It simply creates more trouble. Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So many times we can feel like that this whole concept of, of worry is this, is this thing that comes in. And it's almost like, <clears throat> especially if you understand trusting God and faith in God, you can almost feel defeated just as soon as worry shows up. Like, well, I've already blown it. I'm already not trusting God because I'm in worry. That's why First Peter says, cast your anxieties onto him. That means 
He understands our frame. He understands how we're built. And that there are times we're going to have some anxieties. And we need to know what to do with them. Cast them onto Him. And then here it is Jesus telling us, there's going to be some places where you can get off and worry. Deal with this today. You've got grace for today. Let today's come in. See, tomorrow is an illusion. Unless you can put a date in place of tomorrow, tomorrow doesn't have much meaning. I can say that I've got to work tomorrow because at the same time I could say that I have to work on October the 19th. They're interchangeable. But if you can't put a date on it, tomorrow's meaningless. All of a sudden, tomorrow is just this big thing that maybe we can, maybe we'll worry about, maybe we get excited about, but nothing concrete happens. See, as the children of Israel were walking through the desert, and if you're not familiar with this, then we'll just give a, a brief rundown that, that the people of Israel end up in Egypt. They're there for 430 years. They come out. Now they end up in a period of 40 years of wandering around the desert. And there was a major lesson that was taught in their provision. And they got this bread-like substance called manna, which simply means, what is it? It sounds real cool in church, manna from heaven. We'd say, what is it from heaven? I don't know. It tastes good, though. We don't have anything else to eat. And so there's this manna that showed up. And they got enough manna. For the day. And they were told, don't try to store it up. And of course, you got a million plus people. Somebody's gonna get it a little extra. So they go out and they're like, he says that it'll this will show up tomorrow, but this is pretty freaky, this is pretty weird, and this may be a one-time shot with God, and I'm gonna get mine while I can. So they go out and they get a little extra, and inside their containers, they tried to carry yesterday's manna into today. It turned to worms and got nasty and stinky and was horrible. It couldn't eat it. Had to get rid of it. They had got the whole truth of the manna in the wilderness was to be able to, for them to be a people that trusted God day by day. Day by day. That is part of where we go. In fact, earlier in Matthew 6... In verse 11, there in the, what we understand is the Lord's Prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Most of us, if we had our way, we would say, God, um, I want this week's groceries like now. In fact, can I go ahead and have this year's money right now? But when it's all said and done, if we're honest, how many people are so glad you don't get paid once a year? There's only a handful of people who are so budget conscious that they could handle getting paid once a year. Would it really relieve all of the anxiety that you're like, yes, my employer really did come through for the year. I don't have to check my account. Boom, I have it. No, it creates a whole other issue. How, it's no fun to get paid twice a week and be out of money on the 11th and have to wait till the 15th. Can you imagine being out of money in August? What are you going to do? I think God's systems kind of work pretty good. I think He understands how we're built. And that trusting Him day by day, if we're really honest, that's the best thing in the world for us. If we're really honest. Let's look at Luke 12. 
It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. For isn't your life more than food, and your body more than clothes? Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. You and I, we go out and we, we make things happen. We have jobs. This was an agrarian society. They farmed. So they sowed and they reaped. And they put it into their barns and they did it. And there was nothing wrong with that. What he's pointing out is that, that these animals that don't do that still get taken care of. They don't starve. They're still taken care of. He says, and how much more valuable are you than birds? So, much our, so many times our own worry and our place, of, of, especially as Christ followers, it can get back to us being unsure about our value to God. When you get sure about how much He loves you, you're like, Brandon, you sure talk about loving God a lot and God's love for you. You talk about what He's done for us. and we, It's love, 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 love. Well, guess what? I'm convinced that when the more you understand his love for you, the less you'll worry. The more you will engage with him and rightly instead of trying to impress him and getting wrapped up in all these religious cycles that doesn't do anybody any good. Wearing yourself out trying to impress a God that loves you already. Instead of letting his love flow through you. It changes everything. It says, who of, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? We get freaked out about this whole thing of time and schedule and future and all that. And we can't even add a single hour. We can't do diddly. So since you can't do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? She's like, well, Brandon, does this mean that in this area that we just need to live like the birds and just live day to day and, and just kind of <clears throat> blow it all as we go? No. No, it means we have to have a different mindset. And Proverbs 13, 22 reminds us. The book of wisdom reminds us of the mindset and the, the thought frame that we should think through. And it says a good person or some, <clears throat> some translations say a righteous person. which just means someone who's in right standing with God, which is you and I through Christ. Leaves an inheritance to their children's children. How do you leave an inheritance you haven't? Stored up and been wise and done all of that. Notice it doesn't say leaves a, enough for them to live their days on. Well, this is I'm storing away for my future use so that I can just make it till the, my point of death and I'm not a burden on anybody. You know what? That may be a noble place to start, but the way to look at this thing is transgenerationally. This says that as we're storing up, it's not about storing up for ourselves. It's not about being wise and all that kind of stuff for us. It's about the next generation and the next generation after that. This isn't about saving for the uh, iffy tomorrow, the rainy day. This isn't a tomorrow mindset that Proverbs 13.22 has. This is a forever mindset. What happens if you lay up an inheritance for your children's children. And your children buy into it and they lay up for their children's children. And your grandkids bought into what your kids taught them and they laid up for their children's children. It just keeps going and going and going. 
That is what we're supposed to be doing. It's what we do with everything of value in our lives, with our gospel, with the relationships, with all of it. It's not a tomorrow mindset. It's a forever mindset. That's why we don't have to worry about tomorrow. The next place we create tension isn't by pulling. It's not by pulling on tomorrow's stuff. We do that. We're terrible about that. Taking tomorrow's worries and bringing it in. That's what the whole little video was about. But we're also bad about misusing tomorrow this way. And this is about pushing today's trouble into tomorrow. Call it sweeping it under the rug. Ignoring things. Procrastination. How many times have you gone to sleep at night? Concerned about tomorrow because of the things you didn't do today. There are those that go to sleep freaked out about tomorrow and the uncertainty. And other things we get freaked out because we just didn't prioritize right. We just didn't handle things right. We just didn't steward our, our, our things right. And so that creates trouble in and of itself. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Most of this place of tension has nothing to do with your to-do list. Most of this has nothing to do with it. Oh, I was going to mow the grass and I didn't. The grass will mow later. Most of this place of tension are the conversations we need to have and we put off. The apologies we need to make and we put off. The different places and interrelational stuff that we need to do and we put off. Don't withhold good from whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it right there with you. See, understanding that we need to connect with God's grace and what Him want to do today instead of putting it off tomorrow. It is amazingly illustrated by a really interesting interaction during the plagues of Egypt. Remember I talked about how the Israelites ended up in slavery for 430 years and then they got out of slavery and they ended up in the desert and they had the manna thing. Well, there was this little <coughs> incredible moment this drawn-out deal where the pharaoh, the most powerful person in Egypt, is finally getting to the place to release all of these people who they had enslaved. They didn't want to do it. They were the doing all the work. And God raises up Moses to be his spokesman. And God works through him and tells him that he, God's going to do some different things and, and bring some signs to the people of Egypt that they need to let God's people go. That he's serious. And one of those things, in fact, the second plague is this plague of frogs. You know, I know Kermit is cute, um, but most of us don't want regular frogs in our house. Um, we don't want them hopping around our living room. We don't want them all over the place. We don't want them jumping into our food. We don't want <coughs> these frogs all over the place. And this plague of frogs came upon the entire land of Egypt, and there were simply frogs everywhere. They were just everywhere. There were frogs, it says, in their kneading bowl. So the lady's trying to make dinner and frogs get in the middle of it. They're just frogs all over the place. 
everywhere they turned, and they're nasty, and they're everywhere. And so Pharaoh and the people of, and the people of Egypt finally get done with it, and they're like, please, let's deal with this, where I'm just done with this. And we catch up with the story in verse 8. And Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Frogs kind of should be there. That's where frogs live. So he's just said, I'm going to give you the honor of setting the time when this is going to go down. If you have frogs everywhere, frogs where you're not supposed to have frogs, frogs jumping, crawling all over the place. If you get to set the time when those frogs are gone, when do you want those gone? Now, thank you. When your air conditioner breaks in July, when do you want your air conditioner fixed? You want it then, in July, that day. We want, we want these things done now. Why in the world? I have no idea what was on this leader's mind. But in verse 10, he says what makes no sense to any of us. You're, you are smarter than the guy that ruled Egypt. You are smarter than that guy. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said to Moses, Moses replied, it'll be as you say, so that you may know that there is none like our Lord, <clears throat> the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials, and your people, and they'll remain only in the Nile. And after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs, and he had brought to Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses and in the courtyards and in the fields, and they were piled up into heaps, and the land reaped. Of them. They're gone. And it stunk and it was terrible. Now, what happens between today and tomorrow? Tonight. What do you and I like to do in the tonights? We like to sleep. You got a house full of frogs and you're trying to sleep. I've been camping when there was one frog and not got any sleep. When there was one, one stinking frog at the lake. Can you imagine what that was like? And that was his choice to spend one more night with the frogs. See, the thing is, is Jesus says he's already overcome. He's already overcome. The victory is there. Why do you and I delay? Why do we wait? We can look at the Pharaoh and go, why would you not want that out today? But you know what? If we would get introspective, there's some things in our own lives. We'd go, why have I dealt with this this long? Why have I put up with this this long? Do I really want one more night with this hanging on my shoulders? Do I really want one more night? With this on my plate, when I can take heart because he's overcome. 
I don't know what the Holy Spirit is dealing with you now, but my prayer has been going into this, that today would be a marked moment in our lives, that there are things that we have just drug along day in and day out and have carried on and have had one more night and one more night and one more night. And finally, it's time for instead of it being pushed off to tomorrow, it's time for today. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry and don't give the devil a foothold. What does putting those things off do? It gives the enemy a toehold. It gives him a stronghold. It gives him a place to stand. See, I love it that his promise isn't about tomorrow. His promise is about today. And we want to close with 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is. Today is. Maybe you've been struggling with something privately. Today is the day of breakthrough. Maybe you've been putting off a key relational conversation. Today is the day to do it. Today is. My prayer is this. This is our bottom line today. Today God wants to do something great in your life. What is it? Maybe there's something with your health you've been putting off. I don't know. Maybe there's a decision, core decision in your finances that's been hanging over you and your household. I don't know what it is, but I believe you do. And I want us to create a moment right here. I want us to create a quiet moment. And I want you to begin to just say, God, guide me in this. I don't want to carry this another day. And just as 1 Peter tells us to cast all our concerns Onto him because he cares for us. I want you to just cast them. And creating the tension required pulling or pushing. And just as a sign, something you can physically do. If you know what it is that you need to release, nobody's looking around. I just want you to just lay your hands in your lap and open them up. No muscles used in your arms whatsoever. You're not pulling. You're not pushing. You're just released. Just let it go. Just let it go. Today's the day of salvation. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these today. I thank you for the decisions made in this moment at this point, Heavenly Father. There's been a place of heaviness. There's even been a place of war within themselves. They know the struggle. They know the tension too well. And God, I thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today's the day where your, <clears throat> what you've paid the price for comes into realization in this area of their lives. For all of those who are needing to have a relational conversation, I thank you, Lord, for a place of grace coming on them right now. A place of compassion for this other individual. Lord, that with your Holy Spirit, they just begin to see with new eyes. 
Lord, we pray for that conversation in advance, Lord. And I thank you for relationships being restored right now. Just as they release it to you, relationships restored right now. Lord, for those dealing with a habit. Even in addiction, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that they lay it down right now. There's no judgment. There's no judgment in that. You, you know where they're at. You just wanted to take it. I thank you, Lord, they're just releasing it right now. Right now. Today's the day. For those that have been putting off a decision, know the decision that needs to be made. You just don't want to do it. There's a little anxiety associated with it. Lord, I thank you that it's going to be a faith decision. It's going to be a decision not based on their own abilities to make it happen, Lord, but on you, Heavenly Father. They're trusting you with the details. They're trusting you with the strength. And God, I thank you for those decisions, these, these, <clears throat> these stakes being driven in the ground even right now. And Lord, I thank you for life change all over this place, Heavenly Father. And while heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, if you're here today and you need to embrace the gift of Jesus, that you recognize that this following God thing isn't about trying to adhere to some rules, but it is that Jesus did everything for you and that you believe it, that his death covered your death and your, his life is now your life and you're made right with God based on what he did, not what you have done or planned to do. And if you've placed your faith in that and you want that this morning, just lift your hand up today. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Yes. Believers, I want you to lift their voice with these. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you what he did makes me right with you. This isn't about me trying to impress you. This is about you loving me. And I receive it. I believe that you died for me. I believe that I'm your child right now. And that heaven is my home because of what Jesus has done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Some of you may need some extra prayer. There are these that are on the sides here. We've got the Ramirez's and the Lahones. They'll be happy to pray with you. Maybe you came with somebody. If you made a decision today, I suggest that you talk to somebody about it. Get somebody to begin to pray with you. Begin to stand with you on this life change moment. I want you to stand up. We're going to go out of here. For those of you that are in school of ministry, we meet tonight at the building. At the building. At the building. On sunset. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for, for your work in our lives. We thank you that today is the day of salvation, Heavenly Father. Your mercies are new and fresh constantly every morning. And God, we're so grateful for that. We're thankful, Lord, <clears throat> that we have a life in you and we don't have to be fearful 
about the tomorrows because you love us and are with us forever. And Lord, we are grateful for that and we go out of here encouraged, Heavenly Father, and ready for you to work in and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing Sunday afternoon.